Hi everyone, welcome to the God Attachment Healing Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Landa. This podcast is dedicated to helping Christians who want to understand why they relate to God, themselves, and the church in the way that they do. I explore how our early childhood experiences with our parents influence how we relate. I discuss how we can find healing from the pain, confusion, doubt, fear, and anger experienced in these relationships. If you're interested in learning more about your attachment style and how to heal from the pains and struggles you've experienced, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. I'm happy you're here. Welcome, everybody. This is the God Attachment Healing Podcast. Uh, I am starting something new, and I used to have a podcast called The Genesis of Shame, which is still available for you guys to listen to if you feel the need to go and look at aspects of shame and what I talked about. I had plenty of guests on the show. And um, <clears throat> making this transition to God attachment because this is really where a lot of my focus is being placed at the moment. And it provides opportunity for a lot of different conversations, specifically dealing with people who have been hurt by the church and who are also hurting in relationships within the church. And um, one of the elements of this is learning how to heal when we experience that pain. And part of that healing involves us to engage the pain and to sit there and really wrestle with how we're feeling about what's happening in our lives at that time because we can think of God as distant, we can think of him as close, we could think of him as uninvolved, just kind of looking at us suffer and not really caring. So all of that are things that we will talk about on this new podcast and I'm excited that you're here. I do have a number of guests lined up to discuss or have some of these conversations. And today we're specifically going to talk about what is God attachment, what is attachment theory, and we'll also talk about a couple of different elements having to do with understanding your story, what role did your parents have in your God attachment, and we're going to also define God via scripture. And lastly, we'll look at the hope, patience, and gospel uh, component of this this episode. So hopefully you are excited and ready to start this um, new season or this new podcast. And I know that I'm excited. So hopefully you guys enjoy this. So first of all, we're going to talk about what is God attachment and what does that actually look like? Well, attachment theory was developed by John Bowlby, who was a uh, British researcher. And he wanted to understand why children would get distressed when their parents left them alone. And part of this was looking at the relationship between the parents and the child. So attachment theory is really about the bonds and relationships that we develop with our primary caregivers, which then moves into the types of relationships that we have with other people, which then ultimately leads to how we relate to God. So hopefully I'll be able to get into that. But anyways, he believed that when babies experience a threat to their survival or to something that they are experiencing, that they need to have a person available, a safe person, usually the primary caregiver, usually mom. Um, but obviously that has changed. The, the language being used now in the research is primary caregiver. So that is a big part of understanding how we're going to attach to God specifically during times of distress. That's really what we're looking at here. So Number one, one of the things to be able to understand your own God attachment is to understand your story, right? How would you describe your upbringing? 
Was it positive? Was it negative? Do you remember any of it? Like, how would you describe that? And you start writing down, you know, pages and pages of what your upbringing was like. You know, typically we do something that's called like a life map, where you kind of mark the highs and the lows in your life, um, in just any type of relationship, and you can see maybe some of the ways in which you attach or that you relate to other people. Can you list the highs and the lows and try to remember as many significant events as you can, right? You're not just going to try to map out every single detail of your life, but there's some highlights in our lives and some lowlights where we they're just memorable, right? And it doesn't mean that they have to be positive. Some of them are very painful, but the idea is to create this map, you know, dot by dot. You're going to have some high points. You're going to have some low points. And just try to see some patterns in your life that could have affected how you relate to people and how you attach and bond to others, right? So just go far back as early as you can remember and start from there. You know, typically most people don't remember anything before four years old, five years old. I heard someone one time that they said that they remember uh, something when they were two years old, and I just didn't understand that. I probably remember four years old and on. But anyways, try to think back as far as you can and mark those significant elements of your life. So, for example, one could be one memorable one for me when I was younger was when I turned seven or eight. I went from public school to joining our Christian academy that was through a church. And I remember that because I was so excited about being part of of the church, being with my friends who I knew from church. And it was just a whole big, um, uh, not a surprise, but it was something that was very monumental in my life because it was going to bring everything to everything that I knew, right? Going to post-school, I didn't always know people. I had to uh, try to get to know people, other students. But if I were starting the academy, I knew my teachers, I knew who my friends were going to be, so it kind of removed a lot of that anxiety. So that was a pretty significant event. Also, when you become a teenager, you know, your friends change, your tastes change, you know, music, the way that you dress. So I remember that stage very vividly just because I remember trying to find where I would fit in. And, um, you know, went through all the different stages. You have your skater stage. You have your, no, I never was gothic, but your punk stage and all these different things, right? And um, so, yeah, so I remember that pretty, pretty significantly. But most importantly, and this is probably one that's down, right? I kind of gave two high points. But one uh, major down point for me was when my parents got divorced. Um, They had originally got separated when I was 11 or 12, and uh, maybe it took a month, month and a half before they got back together. And I remember that. And I remember being in the living room, praying with my dad, praying for my mom to come back. And, you know, eventually she did. And I was really happy. And I started making all these promises to God about how I'm going to be the best teenager who spreads the gospel and shares his truths with other students. And I did. And maybe that lasted for a couple of months, but I remember very easily getting back to just how things were. You know, I was not the... Um, I wouldn't be considered like the bad kid. I was the good kid, the good Christian kid, but having a lot of things hidden in my heart and in my mind that I wouldn't share with anyone. So all of that kind of shaped how I coped with that specific situation with my parents. But again, that was the promises. And then as I got older, 
I turned 17, I had just graduated from high school, and um, it wasn't too long after that where my parents then started moving towards divorce. And that was a very, very painful experience for me and my siblings. I mean, I was the oldest of four. And again, I just remember the uncertainty that I felt through all of that, you know. And one of the common themes that, you know, you'll hear a lot about is that, you know, children from divorce tend to blame themselves for their parents' divorce. And actually, I never felt that. I never felt that it was my fault that my parents got divorced. But what I did feel is anger and bitterness and disappointment because I feel like they could have made it work. I feel like they should have fought harder. And, you know, I talked to my parents even today and you know, they'll both share with you um, that they look back at the time and say that they could have made it work. And they'll also share that they regret a lot of decisions or a lot of actions that they took during that time and how much they hurt us. So that continues to be kind of this um, this effect of this very significant uh, situation in my life. And what did it do, though? What? How did it affect me? How did it affect my siblings? It affected us all very differently. Um, excuse me, I have somewhat of a sinus cold type of thing. Um, but anyways, one of the things about each of these events as you're marking them down through your life map, right? See all significant events, things that are memorable for you in detail, um, you know, highs and lows. What's important about these is to gather the meaning that you've been able to take from that. What meaning did you take from those highs and from those lows? What did it mean to you? What does it mean to you now, right? Because it's not just what what happens to you. It's the meaning that you gather from those specific events. So, for example, for me, there was one side where it made me very independent. It made me very resilient. Uh, it made me... Um, focus on other people because I was trying to not think about everything that was going on at home or how I was feeling. So I focused and hyper-focused on people and serving in the church. So that distracted me from the pain that I was experiencing. So I would say that, that that was a positive for me. You know, I wanted to make sure that others felt safe around me because I wasn't feeling safe at home, not because I was any physical or or verbal or any type of danger in that sense. It was just everything that was going on, the tension, you know that things are not working out. And uh, yeah, just kind of remembering all of that experience. So it did make me independent, resilient, and focusing on others. But it also made me scared of relationships, right? It made me feel insecure when relationships weren't going well. So for example, if you, if I liked someone at the time, any little thing that they would say or do, I would read into it. And it was always in the negative. Oh no, they don't like me anymore. Or, oh no, this is not going to work out. And that carried on into my young adulthood, even late adulthood years, you know, late thirties, late twenties, I'm sorry, where I was fearing, you know, relationships. If something was off, I would just automatically fear, you know, oh no, this is not going to end well. And it it really infiltrated a lot of how I relate to people. And I had to learn, and the Lord has done obviously a, a great amount of work in my life since then. And now I don't see it the same, but still those fears do creep in. And it's part of my story. You know, it's part of the story that, that has been created throughout my life. But more recently, I've learned that God has made me to be, who God has made me to be, is worthy of love and being in a relationship as opposed to not being wanted or desired, which was a very, very common theme growing up. 
right? You didn't know where you fit, you know, once passing, you know, once I was passed over with my dad and then my dad would pass over with my mom and then we'd go over to our uncles and go over to all these other homes from, uh, from people from our church. And you felt included, but you also felt not wanted, which was a very weird feeling to have. And especially trying to make sense of that, right? Want, wanting to be wanted, wanting to be desired by others. And, um, yeah, I just remember that being a very, very difficult season. Maybe you experienced that as well. You know, maybe not necessarily through divorce of your parents, but maybe in other situations. Maybe you felt neglected or, um, or not wanted, right, within your family or within your friend group or, you know, school, whatever the case is. But there is that ongoing theme, right? We all want to be loved. We all want to be needed. We all want to be wanted. We want that. The question is finding the safe, do we know how to find safe people where we can commit to that, okay? So what role do our parents have in our God attachment? Again, before that, you need to understand your story. So I really want to encourage you to go back, do that life map, list out the highs and the lows, and then try to understand what each of those mean to you today, okay? And then you can go into what role your parents had in your current God attachment. So there's four different types. They're secure, anxious, anxious avoidant, and disorganized or avoidant attachment and disorganized. Um, so those are the, the the four types. We're not going to talk about secure. Let's talk about the anxious attachment style, which is basically when parents were inconsistent or if they were unclear on expectations or if they themselves were constantly anxious we develop or tend to develop an anxious attachment style, which means that when we see one little thing go wrong, we catastrophize it and make it the worst possible thing that could happen. And we kind of have this doom perspective on life where there's nothing I could do right. And even when I try to do what's right, I feel overwhelmed because I'm just not sure if I know what I'm doing is right. All right that constant internal struggle makes you anxious with yourself, makes you anxious with other people, just that constant questioning of, am I doing things right? Am I going to be able to keep people close to me? That was one that I struggled with the most. So I developed more of an anxious attachment style throughout my life. Now it's become more secure. But still, you know, you always have that tendency to lean in that direction because it was such a large part of your life. So if you do that, you know, you could be secure and still kind of be inclined to one of the other attachment styles when stress uh, comes up or when you experience some form of distress. Okay, the second one is the avoidant attachment style. So these are parents who are unengaged or disengaged and not really uh, engaging you emotionally or typically withdrawn, non-communicative, communicative, always busy, basically a strong, silent person, right? Typically it's attached to dad. Dads tend to be a little bit more avoidant than moms are, but you know, it could be mom. It could be that mom is not engaged emotionally or seems to be withdrawn or, you know, some people would describe their, their mom as being uh, depressed or their dad, right? Which, again, allows for that disconnect, that avoidant attachment style. And what that creates in us is that if we can't get our needs met, then I should just be able to meet my needs by myself and I can't depend on anyone, right? So we avoid close relationships and we hyper-focus and depend on ourselves to carry out and meet all our needs, which, you know, it sounds good and it is a good thing, but it needs to be balanced with being able to engage in relationship with other people. And that's really, that's really the key when it comes to this avoidant attachment style, that they don't want to engage in close relationships. 
Typically what happens is if you start to talk with an avoidant and you start asking deeper questions about their lives, they typically withdraw from those conversations or they transfer that attention to someone else in the room. Okay, but you'll again, you'll see them kind of be, they're super independent, they're very driven, um, and they try to meet, they don't need anyone is kind of the the mentality behind it. I don't need anyone to, to do anything for me because I've done it myself. Right? Completely disconnected, withdrawn, avoidant is how we describe it. And lastly, we have the disorganized attachment style. And this is a mixture of the previous two, right? The attachment response is contingent on the style of the person that you're interacting with. We adopt to we adapt, I'm sorry, to their style but in an unhealthy way. So meaning this disorganized attachment style is when someone is um, both distant and withdrawn and avoidant and also other times very anxious and fighting. So they, they don't know how they feel, right? This is the person who wants to be super close to you. And then when they do get close, they pull away. And when they're pulling away, they're like, oh, maybe I'm too far from this person. I should draw closer to them. And then they draw close again. And then they pull away, draw close, pull away. So constant, constant back and forth. They don't know how they feel, right? Typically, with disorganized attachment styles, there's typically a um, some form of trauma in their uh, relationships and their close relationships growing up, because you know you want to feel safe, but when you when it seems safe, you get hurt in the process, so it doesn't feel safe anymore. So these people tend to read into um, a lot of behaviors as unsafe, even though there's no sign of there being danger. Right, so they just read into things. They can take one situation and completely trans, uh, you know, interpret it as something completely different. Everything is a hindrance, right? So they almost, it's they do a lot of self fulfilling prophecies. Oh, this is not going to work out, and it doesn't work out. See, I told you it wasn't going to work out. They, I know they weren't going to like me, um, and then they become avoidant, right? So they'll pull back and not want to talk to anyone. So again, it's just this constant back and forth, and trauma is typically a uh, critical factor with that okay so again how does this affect our view of god well if our parents weren't able to meet our needs or if they were withdrawn or if they were they didn't know how to feel so they would get close to us and then pull away that starts to shape the way that we develop um, or how we relate to people who are close to us so if you have a relationship with God, as a believer, we have a relationship with God, the God of the Bible, through Scripture, with Jesus, right? And the Bible says very specific things about how God relates to us. But when we haven't had any type of reflection of that in our own lives, it's hard for us to see that God is who He says He is. Because our parents may say, hey, I love you so much, but they acted in unloving ways, right? So when we read in Scripture that God loves us, it doesn't make sense for the um, avoidant person because they've never had that, right? The people who were supposed to love him or her the most weren't able to demonstrate that to them. So when you read in scripture that God loves you, it's hard for the avoidant person to really accept that. With the anxious person, it's always fearing that they're going to do something wrong and therefore not earn God's love or lose God's love, right? So you could imagine for the anxious attachment style, when they're trying to draw close to God, they're trying so hard not to do anything to make him upset because if not, God will pull his love away from us, right? Um, very, very common 
behaviors or approaches to our relationship with God. But it makes sense, right? It makes sense that if you didn't have a parent who could just show you that in your own life, that um, that you that you would also struggle with that. So I think I think for us, as we look at that, um, we can see the connection between our parents and our God attachment style, right? So very, very important. For example, when we think about God in Scripture, right, the Bible makes it, by the way, if you want to learn about God's character and who He is, you know, there's Scripture, and we should read Scripture, and obviously that is our primary source for knowing who God is. But a strong theologian called J.I. Packer wrote a book called Knowing God, and he also does a great job of going in depth into these different characteristics of God. Again, your primary source, our primary source for knowing God should be Scripture. This is just an extra resource that you can have to help you kind of think through some of those characteristics. So, what are some ways in which God is defined? God is love. God is just. God is patient. Okay? That is a reality. That is a truth that we hold on to because it's evidenced in Scripture. Okay, so when you don't have parents who are loving, who are just, who are patient, it's going to be difficult for us to see those characteristics in God. Okay, now, one thing that I want to make clear, this does not mean that your perspective of God and Him not displaying those characteristics is true. It is an experience, it is a perspective that we've adopted because of our own relationship with our parents. Okay, so we must do this continual cleansing and renewing of our minds as Romans talks about, right? To renew our minds in God's word. That God is who he says he is. And we have to hold on to that truth so that we don't let our own personal experiences completely overshadow God's word, right? It needs to be a continual process of learning how to view God in light of his word, okay? And with time, remember, with time, we can develop a secure attachment with God. Same way we can develop a secure attachment with other people, right? It depends who you're relating to that will impact how your attachment style may or may not change, okay? If you're around a lot of secure people and you're an anxious attachment style, right, but secure people tend to be able to meet their own needs and also meet the needs of others, and you're around them all the time, you're going to feel like your needs are important and like they're able to be met because your friends or the people around you are secure and they're able to meet your needs. So enough experiences with that and enough interactions in that way will start to shift your anxious attachment style over to a secure attachment style. And that's great news, right? Our minds are malleable. And this is, you know, research shows this a lot, that our minds continue to grow. We're still able to develop new neurons, maybe not at the same rate as we did when we were younger, but our minds are malleable and they do continue to change and can create new neural networks, okay? So if you're around people who are loving, who are just, who are patient, and you're around them enough, it could change your attachment style to secure, which then can influence your attachment style to God. There is hope, guys. There is so much hope in being able to um, learn a new attachment style. Remember, understand your story. Know what is it? Are you more anxious? Or are you more avoidant? Are you a little bit of both? You just don't know how to feel or how you feel in certain relationships. You vary back and forth, right? Is it disorganized? So know your story. But as you know your story, you also have to have the hope that God is going to do the good work in you. Meaning that as you have more interactions with Him, 
through scripture, through Christian community, through prayer, that your attachment style can change and have hope in that because God changes hearts. Also, be patient. Be patient with yourself as you start to learn these things. You know, we live in a society that wants to microwave everything. And Christian maturity and Christian growth cannot be done in that way, right? I mean, I just look back at the Old Testament. I just don't know how many years I would be able to deal with the suffering that happened for, you know, uh, people in the Old Testament, you know, prophets in the Old Testament, uh, men and women who had to wait on God. Like, they had to be patient, you know, it was 40 years wandering around in the desert, walking around the desert and or, or, you know, another number of years to wait for a promise that God wanted to deliver to them. And, you know, we don't like to wait. We don't want to wait and we don't like to wait. So patience is a key factor in our own Christian spiritual growth. And lastly, the gospel, right? Everything points back to the gospel. We are forgiven in Christ. Christ died for our sins so that we can establish a relationship with him or we can have a relationship with him. God the Father, right? So the gospel will change you. The gospel will help you understand God in a way that you've never known before. Remind yourself of it, that Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, and he's going to bring you closer to him. And one day, these bodies that are anxious, avoidant, avoidant, uh, or disorganized, they will change to a perfect, secure style when we are in heaven with him. And, you know, I hope that as you tuned in today that you were able to identify your attachment style, that it made sense to you, and also that you were able to draw close to God throughout this time and hopefully develop a secure attachment style with Him. So, guys, this is the first episode. I'm really excited. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I'm going to be talking uh, more about different factors i think the next one we'll do is on separation anxiety in a relationship with god and that will be a, a really a really good episode hope you can tune in thanks for watching